Hello everyone, I'm Zola Zengit. Welcome to COVID Stuck Abroad, the podcast where I get to chat with South Africans who are living abroad in 2020, when COVID-19 changed the world as we know it. This podcast aims to tell the personal accounts of guests featured and does not claim to offer verified facts. To get verified information about COVID-19 and related information, please refer to the official World Health Organization website, as well as the official South African government website. Please see the show notes for links. It must also be stated that COVID stuck abroad will not tolerate xenophobic sentiments. Listeners should recognize that the personal experiences of one individual cannot be viewed as a representation of an entire nation, ethnicity, or culture. Okay, now let's get to today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome again to COVID Stuck Abroad. Today, I'm joined by Sadia Dorat who in the first half of 2020 was completing her MBA at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. She now lives in New York and works for a healthcare technology startup. Hi, Sadia. Hi, Zola. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. And you? Not too bad. Thanks. Thank you so much for agreeing to be one of my guests for this podcast. Of course. So happy to be hanging out with you this morning. Yeah, and we, I mean, I mentioned it in the intro that you went to Wharton Business School, you completed your MBA. I think that's where I want to start with the podcast is how did you end up at the, you know, at like one of the best business schools in the world? <laughs> and um, yeah, and why did you decide to go to Wharton even? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, you know, certainly want to say upfront that feel very, very lucky and very grateful to have, um, to have gotten the opportunity to, to go to Wharton and to get my MBA from the school. I, um, I guess my path to getting there, you know, always did a, did a business undergrad at UCT and I majored in accounting and finance. And like, I think we know a lot of our peers and a very popular route is to then go into investment banking or to do the CA route and sort of uh, go and do articles, etc. Mm. I kind of realized that that was not really my path, not a path that I was super excited about but mm. also I think I you know started to identify some of my own skills and strengths and, and figured that I think there was a better application of it elsewhere and so found my way into management consulting um, and joined Bain in Johannesburg straight out of undergrad uh, so spent about four years there between working between Southern Africa and the Middle East and during my time at Bain you know I will say doing an MBA is super common and super popular within the consulting world and very quickly sort of got in got in at Bain and you know people around me um, next to me etc had gotten MBAs from some of the great great institutions um, across the globe uh, the US being being a very popular one yeah. and so the idea you know growing up I certainly thought about like what it would be and what it would take to get an MBA and um, so getting to Bain I was very very intrigued um, and I think once you you know like most of us once you sort of are intrigued by something it's hard to get it out of your mind and so yeah. you know did a bunch of thinking and working and you know I will say the MBA probably 
probably starts maybe a year, 18 months before, because it really is a long journey of taking the G- studying, taking the GMAT, doing the applications, applying to schools, figuring out what your fit is. And it's just a, a commitment to the process, um, which, you know, we could probably have a whole mm-hmm. other podcast on like what that process looks like. But, uh, you know, it was a lot of hard work, I think, support from great people and, and a lot of luck and just a lot of, you know, kind of hustle and pushing <laughs> through as we all know how to do um, or, you know, have sort of grown up doing. And, yeah, I was I was lucky to get a spot in the 2020 class at uh, at Wharton and was uh, it, it was certainly a life changing experience. So, so very, very thankful for that. So you you called it the 2020 class, meaning it's named after the year you're supposed to graduate, not the year you enter. That's it. You're part of a graduating class. So I started August 2018, but I was the class of 2020. That's the year that graduates. And then maybe can you like quickly paint a picture for us as in what was it like studying before 2020 even hit? So what was it like to be on campus and actually studying for your MBA during a time when you know, things seem to be normal. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I have this fear that those were the gloriest days of my life and <laughs> everything else is downhill from there. I, I mean, know. I'm kidding, obviously, yeah. that would be very sad. But it was absolutely remarkable. The campus is, we share a campus with undergrads. And so Wharton is an interesting structure. It's the University of Pennsylvania. So UPenn is an undergrad. Uh, so the University of Pennsylvania is like the university and then they have programs. Um, and so, you know, they have Wharton undergrad, Wharton MBA, um, there is med school, mm. um, uh, engineering school, etc. cetera. Uh, so it's in Philly, which is an absolutely underrated city. And I am such a huge Philly fan, really, really love it. Um, the campus is sort of in the middle of the city, um, but it's a small city. You know, it's not like it's not like New York. And on campus was wonderful. I mean, it truly was some of the best years of my life. Just oh, like wow. the studying, the friends, the people. It's not what we remember undergrad to be, you know. So there is a lot of studying, but uh, I mean, I think MBA is always criticized for traveling more than we study. So, <laughs> um, but we did study. I mean, I definitely did spend days in the library and it's just, you know, there's obviously people go on the MBA to network, to make a career change. So there's tons of that. There is always something going on. There's always like extra interests, extracurricular stuff. You know, part of the MBA is traveling a bunch with people you don't know and you become lifelong friends. And so there was a lot of that. And we did school Monday through Thursday. Our Fridays were off. And so we kind of got used to a long weekend every weekend for two years, which oh, was wow. so fun. And again, we'd do anything to go back to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was great. It was exciting. It was inspiring. It was overwhelming, daunting at times. I think you... You know, coming from I was the only South African in my class, and so really? very much. Uh-huh. And there was about eight hundred to nine hundred people in a class, and so Goodness. you know, you kind of 
get there and I was like oh cool like I really am here by myself and kind of got to figure this out on my on my own um and so you know naturally like you are forced to dig a little bit deeper in terms of who you are what you stand for and just lean into your most authentic self and and see what that brings your way in terms of friends in terms of opportunities because it's so easy to be swayed by other people's plans other people's mm. um track that they're trying to pursue and and you know it's it's very impressive people are doing extremely exciting extremely inspiring things or wanting to make really cool career changes um and so there is a lot of testing of who you really are and and i would say you know i i would recommend certainly going on the mba when you have a sure sense of self because i think you can potentially get lost in the process if not uh-huh. Well, I mean, like you said before, like there's so many things you're mentioning that could just be a whole podcast by themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but even I think you saying how so much of the MBA experience is travel. And I can just imagine then with, you know, the pandemic then starting to spread that that would change many things. And so I'm even wondering, when did you even first hear about this coronavirus or at least um, a virus that might be spreading around the world. Yeah, absolutely, and it's such a it's such a great segue because um, so it was obviously March 2020. It was the final six weeks of my MBA, and as you can imagine, you know, after an absolutely remarkable two years, mm-hmm. the final six weeks were going to be like the bang that was going to close it all. We had trips planned every other weekend. There were parties and events and social things being planned every literally every other day it was just like a jam-packed six weeks of enjoying connecting reconnecting hanging out having a good time so what had happened was I was actually meant to take my last trip sort of more academic school trip uh, to China we were doing I was very interested and I still am in supply chains um you know, and mm. of course, like naturally, the school had a really cool trip planned to China, where the focus uh, was was all on like understanding like best practice supply chain development, um, etc. And um, we had gotten into the class. It was a good two good friends of mine and I, very excited about it all. And it was going to be over our spring break. And uh, over spring break, there were tons of trips all over the world. So um, sorry to interrupt you, but when exactly would be spring break? Like, could you maybe explain that to us? Yeah, spring break is just like a week off. Um, it's like, a, I kind of want to, you know, kind of like an in-semester week off that we would have. Um, I, I can't remember sort of the, the equivalent uh, in South Africa, but just, you know, it's it's a week off that all uh, universities uh, have mm-hmm. and it's in the middle of, of a semester. So it's around May, March, sorry, March. Okay. Um, and so we'd gotten in in around Jan, mid-Jan, you know, kind of excited to, to go off. And then I think it was around mid to the third week of Feb. So mid-Feb, we had the school moved it to Sweden because of this thing called COVID. And they had said, you know, there's a really bad pandemic that's spreading across Asia. As a school, we have a responsibility to monitor this. And if it gets worse, we cannot go. 
And so, I mean, at that point, everyone was like, well, I'm not really sure what this is. What are you like overreacting? Like what's going on, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, they made an executive decision that it was too risky uh, to take us to China um, because there was an increase in like cases, deaths, et cetera. And so we were going to do it in Sweden. And I was still excited, you know, H&M, Ikea, like mm. big uh, retail companies out in Sweden. And so still a lot to learn. And then around, you know, I think it was sort of the end of Feb, first week of March, they started to cancel all school trips. So oh. Sweden was canceled. Everyone that was doing anything that was not personally organized. So there were, there always are a lot of trips where like someone from Argentina will say, I would like to take 20 people to Argentina. And that's like very independent and would, you know, you kind of organize it on your own. But then there's all of these school trips or like clubs of the school trips that are like technically quote unquote sponsored by Wharton. And so they made a decision that everything should be canceled. And we were just uh, very much like, you know, this seems so, such an overreaction, et cetera, but okay, fine. And by the first week uh, of March, sort of the three days, three or four days before spring break was meant to start, we were in finals and kind of wrapping up finals. And I remember we'd written our final economics exam and a couple of friends of of mine and I were having dinner. And, um, you know, we were kind of like, wow, this is really crazy. Like officially all the trips are canceled. What should we do? And and a lot of us were internationals. And so at the time we were like, okay, I guess this thing is kind of serious, but like still felt very far from us in the US. You know, they were Mm -hmm. like maybe one or two cases that were being talked about in Washington, et cetera. Um, and so we decided that, well, we haven't really, we've been in the U.S., but haven't really traveled much around the U.S., so maybe we should go down south and sort of do a little bit of a road trip situation. And that's kind of where it all began and ended. You know, we, a couple, it was probably like eight or nine of us who went down south. We started this road trip. It was fun for the first, like, five days. And then on the sixth or seventh day, the school had issued an announcement saying that, uh, cases are rising. It's too dangerous. Um, classes are officially over. Oh. Uh, so everything would be online. And I remember we were doing, we were all in a car. And as you can imagine, like, you know, maybe four or five of us in, in one car. And everyone's super stressed, super anxious. And now overnight, literally overnight, the NBA had ended. So oh we kind goodness. of left left school saying to tons of friends, you know, there was like always a scramble at the end where you were meant to have a dinner or a coffee or a lunch with someone and it's too busy. And so you're kind of like, oh, let's reschedule after spring break. And if I tell you, like, I literally had a dinner every night for six weeks after spring break, because as I said, everyone was like doing the final, you know, go around. And just like that, it, it was over. You know, we we got the email and we kind of thought like, oh, maybe this is, and no one knew for sure that it was like indefinitely over. So mm. it was kind of like, we need to monitor this, but it'll probably be the next month. And as time went on, it just seemed more and more dreary. And it was heartbreaking, you know, a ton of friends who were international, who were not trying to live in the US or stay here post-grad and cases started spreading, flights started becoming a little bit unpredictable. And so literally overnight, we ended classes, didn't get to saying goodbyes or coffees with professors, tons of friends who we just never got to say goodbye to because they had gone 
packed up their apartments and gone home. And it was, uh, you know, it was, I mean, certainly I get goosebumps even just thinking and, and talking about it again, because it was certainly a crazy, the big, the beginning of a crazy year of our lives. I mean, it's, it, it really is like hard to even like wrap my head around that. Like just finding out like your classes are canceled and people you thought you'd see again are just suddenly like gone. And mm-hmm. And something that when we first spoke that you mentioned that really stuck with me is just about like your graduation. And it's like, at, at which point do you know and like tell your parents that they will not be able to come to your grad ceremony? Yeah, that was a very sad moment, I guess. Um, my parents had already booked their flights. And so they started to plan what it would look like. And, you know, they were going to come for a little while so we could travel before and after, et cetera. And, um, I guess, you know, it, it became very natural because everything was, things like can just continue to blow up. And then eventually the school had made a decision that it was too unsafe for everyone to gather in person yeah. uh, for a grad ceremony. Because as you can imagine, you know, it's 900 students plus like their parents and friends and whatever. It's like thousands of people that yeah. come together. And so they had made that decision. And when they made that decision, I think, you know, flights had also become, a lot of flights were being canceled or there were travel bans that were being put in place, et cetera. And so it was kind of like, you know, I was obviously speaking to my parents every day, twice a day, et cetera. And they, it was kind of like, well, you know, this seems unlikely. And even if it is likely, it's probably not safe for you guys to travel. So, you know, maybe. And then, I mean, at the time, everyone lived with the hope that we would have a grad um, either later in the year or mm. um, this year. This year, this time was meant to be where we actually walked. Um, but I guess oh. it looks like it's not going to happen this year either. So we might have to just go back for our two-year reunion. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry for that. Like, I'm just so sorry that you didn't get to experience that, you know, just to commemorate mm-hmm. your achievements. Yeah, I guess it um, it was sad and, you know, certainly felt like we were experiencing some kind of loss, but at the same time, relative to everything else going on in the world, um, everyone suffered some kind of loss. And mm. I mean, I think loss is loss, but it's, it's okay. You know, we're all fine and it'll just be a little bit of a sad moment whenever you think about it. But um, it was a great, as I said, you know, the two, the, you know, one and a half, one and three quarter years before that was, was so good that it kind of, it was a good experience. So you guys had a virtual ceremony, correct? Yes, we did. Yeah. And how was that? Did you at least enjoy it? It was good. I mean, it's certainly very underwhelming. And, you know, even though it was virtual, we were in, we at that point had started to get into pods just so, you know, you weren't by yourself all the time. And so Mm. there were a couple of us that were in a pod and were only seeing each other. And so we got together and did like a, like it was luckily the weather was warm so we could be on someone's terrace and it was just like, outside we had a brunch and watched this the ceremony but it was probably uh, it wasn't enjoyable you know it was everything was so fresh and such a like fresh loss and none of our parents were around everything was virtual um it just felt so deeply underwhelming that it um 
you know, we needed to do something to like mark the end of, of the experience, but um, I don't think anyone was like pleased by it. So how do you end up moving to New York then? Because you're still in Philadelphia at this point. So how does that yeah, move that's happen? It. You know, I was trying to make the move from consulting into healthcare startups. Um, it's kind of what I spent the two years really exploring and testing out at business school and was very excited by the journey of my final year that I, you know, had a good, much better sense of what within healthcare I wanted to focus on, what type of startup I wanted to go to, uh, what type of health tech startup I wanted to be at, and the fact that I wanted to be in, in New York. I'd spent the previous semester in San Francisco um, testing. So as I lived mm. in San Francisco for six months. Um, Wharton has a campus out there, and they do sort of a program where you can go out to SF. And so, you know, came back really feeling excited about healthcare, startups, tech, um, New York, etc. And... Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, generally startup recruiting is much delayed compared to like consulting, banking, private equity, etc. Um, and the expectation is was pre-COVID was that we would all start recruiting more aggressively around like March, April. And, you know, we would kind of recruit over the summer um, and then depending on visas, our visas only allow us to start working in August. So you kind of oh. want to time it that you start around March, April, May, because uh, startup recruiting is usually just in time. And so, you know, it's usually like they won't recruit a year out. They would say we have a need now in the next like 30 to 60 days. And that's when they start recruiting. So with that, you know, of course, when all of this started to blow up, it made recruiting very stressful because people were laying jobs off like Trump oh. was saying crazy things regarding visas etc so it was a long process um, and it was a tiring one and in hindsight I probably wouldn't have pushed myself as much up front because there was really no point in that you know we were recruiting almost like it was our full-time job and it mm. takes so much time so much energy and the reality is that no one knew whether they were hiring or not because no one knew how this thing was going to play out. Like yeah. people were focusing on saving their businesses. Um, no one was like out hiring. So it was, you know, again, we could probably do another podcast just on what the summer was like, but it was a long process of constant recruiting, taking like a, a couple of weeks break, getting so stressed that you kind of wrap up again, etc. So this went on Throughout the summer, a bunch of us had stayed in Philly, mainly, again, internationals who couldn't travel home and who were restricted by visa to, to stay in the country. So there was a good group of us who were in Philadelphia, all kind of in a similar boat. Um, it was warm. You know, you kind of try to find the joy in it all. Mm. Um, the Black Lives Matter had happened at the time. And so that oh, yeah. was like very heavy on top of everything else. And, you know, I remember the day that um, Philly sort of center city where all of us live i we lived across the building that i lived in was across from the apple store and um i had gone out to do something and was coming back in and i'd just gotten back in the building and had gotten up to my apartment and uh, but, uh, tons of friends were calling and they and i was like well, what is going on and they had said like um the looting had started and was coming down my street and so we sort of watched a lot of a lot of that and 
And then, you know, it all became very real. Um, and of course, like being South African, race is very much a part of like how I see the world, how I mm. like my lived experience of the world. And so, you know, on top of everything else was just like a crazy, but I guess like ultimately, I think some of the outcomes maybe were a step in the right direction mm. um, for race in America. So that kind of was, you know, midway through June, July, I continued to recruit through August. Everyone had started to leave by August and then eventually got a job and moved to New York in, in September. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That really is a lot. Um, mm-hmm. but, and, <laughs> and I, th- I think it's just also fascinating that you were already so interested in like a healthcare startup um, mm-hmm. long before suddenly, you know, healthcare would become such a big part of everything you know just not sure. only just in terms of coverage even in my industry like even in media but also just business it's like it's like one of the hot topics of how do we you know move forward just yeah yeah I agree I think also what I'm interested in is that you know it's like you've been studying for two years I mean you've been told us now that you had long weekends for like two years and then now you have to adjust to going back to full-time work but not only that, you're in a foreign country, it's a new industry that you're working in, and then also it's during a pandemic. It's like, how do you adjust? <laughs> I know. I guess, like, I don't really even know where to begin with that. Um, guide me a little bit. What, what do you mean in terms of like, how do you I adjust? I mean, just even how do you onboard with, like, new colleagues? Because I would imagine maybe you're looking for, like, you know, to make new connections with your colleagues and maybe with friends, but... How do you mm-hmm. do that when it's like in a city that's sort of still under lockdown? Um, yeah, it's tough. You know, it's certainly sort of changed how we're used to doing things um, pretty significantly. So I will say, you know, New York was still under lockdown, but the outdoor dining was happening. And mm. it was like the, the city was like, 40% awake and alive, 40 to 50% continued <laughs> to increase. But in terms of work, it's tough. You know, I mean, I've, I'm now working for, what is it, like seven, eight months. And there are many people who I've never met in person. I speak to them every single day over Zoom and, and I, I've never met them in person, I think, because we're also a startup and I joined the company when we were at around 30 people. Mm. We're now probably closer to like 60, 65 people. Um, so half the company has never met each other. You know, it, um, it certainly puts a lot of pressure, I think, on like culture and team and just leadership team, HR, et cetera, mm. thinking about how do we bring people together? How do we create um, a culture? How do we create camaraderie, et cetera? I think everyone is, you know, pretty self-motivated and will find interesting ways. Like, you know, tech is is fascinating. So, you know, there's like these random pairings where you get a quote-unquote coffee. And that means that every week I'm speaking to someone new in the company that has either joined or is in another team that I've just not met. And, you know, it's a 30-minute like Zoom chat where you just get to know them. And I think now that, you know, a lot of us are vaccinated and a lot of people are um, starting, well, New York is meant to fully open up July 1st. Um, 
there was just an announcement that was made this week. Oh. And so as we mm-hmm, and so as we get ready for the summer and folks are now returning to the city, because also a lot of people were not even in New York, right? People were working from all over yeah. because they could. I think there is a little bit more of a, depending on your level of comfort and whether you're vaccinated or not, to you know, get a coffee outside, coordinate going to the office together, maybe having dinner. So I think we'll get there, but it was weird and it was strange. And, you know, it's like weird having someone that, a boss that you've just never seen before. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's just, you know, it's it's our new reality. Oh my God. And are you excited like to find you sort of, I mean, you lived in New York before you said, right? Or... I did. I'd only spent a summer here. So in between first and second year um, for my internship, I'd spent uh, three months in in the city. And yeah, very excited for it to be opening up again. Very excited to, you know, just be very much here and very much present and still very aware of the fact that there is deep inequality in terms of vaccine rollout across the world. And, Mm. you know, it's a weird and a, a very uncomfortable position to be in having being fully vaccinated and knowing that my parents aren't, you know, my grandmother isn't. And so obviously mm. would do anything to be able to give them the vaccine because they need it more than I do. So very aware of the, you know, privilege in having gotten it um, mm. and, you know, really praying that it is the rollout is, you know, soon and, and fast in South Africa. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's been a crazy year. And, and I think when you get a moment of like respite and relief, you kind of got to take it and just lean into like the joy of it. And uh, actually, when speaking of South Africa, you were lucky enough to be able to come, right? Um, when, when again, did you say you were able to visit South Africa? Yeah, so I came home November last year. Um, oh, okay. Flights had opened. It was the Thanksgiving break. And so I it was also getting very cold in New York. And so <laughs> I uh, took the opportunity to come home. And I was lucky to spend four months at home, actually. So really, really good time with family and my sister's wedding. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was a special four months. And were you able to spend four months because essentially you could work from anywhere in the world? That's it. That's it. I mean, that's, I guess, one of the perks, right? <laughs> Is, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. Definitely. And work in New York, but can sort of live in South Africa for four months. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. was that like, seeing family after so long, being separated from them during this, like, trying time? Yeah, I mean, you know, the separation was horrific, but um, being together was obviously, like, as special as you can imagine it to be, you know, just like, definitely don't take for granted time with family and um also you know i'd left home at 17 when i went to undergrad and so i hadn't lived in my parents home for a really long time <laughs> and so you know kind of fully moving back into my parents home for four months and just seeing them every day like having some kind of routine with them was i mean as you said definitely one of the like blessings of the pandemic 
I think they did like, you know, they never, and you know, I, I kind of like progressively started to move further and further away from home. So it was like at home, went to Cape Town and then I guess came back for Bain and then went to Dubai and then moved mm. to the US and then decided I was going to live in New York. And so, you know, I think in their mind, they were like, oh, well, if she's like in this country, it would be so great, like let alone in our home. And so Aww. being able to go home and just, you know, spend time with them was was so precious and you know I I miss it I'm so thankful for it and and just so glad that I had the opportunity to uh, spend that time with them but I mean even to attend your sister's wedding like that must have felt really amazing Mm -hmm. so many Mm -hmm. people missed out on things like that Um, oh yeah so to have Mm -hmm. even had the opportunity to do that like that must have felt really good yeah it was it was so special and you know those are kind of like events that um as it is, was so tumultuous just during this time. So being able to actually be a part of it. And I'm super close with my sister. So I I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And I will say she did a bunch of like back and forth, you know, adjustments to make sure mm. that it worked with my dates and just so Aww. that I was able to be there. So it was, yeah, it was special. Oh, no, I'm really happy that you got to have that. And I think just to round off then our little chat, like, how do you feel now? Just like looking back on the year that was 2020, knowing everything that you went through, but also just like looking forward to, you know, what's coming up next. Do you even yeah, like have a, a way question. of like talking about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think like there is still so much processing that will be done and that must be done uh, for for all of us. You know, mm-hmm. I think the pandemic will certainly have long term um, mental health um, and overall well being impact on us all. At this point, you know, I care deeply about mental health, and I have always had um, I've had a therapist for a while, and through business mm-hmm. school, didn't wasn't in therapy, but. And last November restarted and, you know, was kind of, I, I saw it as like a need more than mm. ever, the same way we need um, a physician, you kind of need yeah. a, a therapist. So, you know, a lot of the processing, I think, will continue to take place. I think, you know, when you ask the question, the immediate emotion and the immediate thought that came to mind was just a deep sense of gratitude mm. um, for still being able to be where I hope to be Mm. pre-pandemic, you know, wanted to be at the startup that I'm at, wanted to be in New York, living with friends. So, you know, a lot of that, I feel very, very blessed that a lot of that was maintained, you know, thank God, thank God, my family's all safe and no one's been affected by COVID, just, um, the fact that, you know, we're hopefully getting closer and closer to a vaccine. So I feel overwhelmingly blessed and just very lucky and very grateful to be in this position. My heart is sad at the, again, level of inequality when it comes to COVID responses, vaccine mm. rollout, um, state of healthcare across the world. And, you know, I, the healthcare is my thing I love it I'm passionate about it and you know feel excited to most importantly try to be able to play a role 
in improving that level of disparity, particularly in parts of the world that that I call home. So that's probably it. I, you know, ask me this question again in a year from now, and maybe <laughs> I'm sure I'll still feel blessed and grateful. But you know, maybe there'll be a couple of more um, emotions to be able to communicate. But yeah, it's been a wild year, and you know. Unfortunately, we're still not at the end of it. Um, So just, you know, staying hopeful, staying grateful, uh, staying prayerful and, you know, hoping that we can get to the other side um, with far fewer casualties and, you know, just kind of get back to our life as whatever the new normal looks like. Whatever the new normal will look like. Thank you so much, Sadia, for joining me today. Thank you for having me as a guest. It's been so great uh, catching up and yeah, excited to hear this podcast. Yeah, no, really, like I'm really grateful to everyone who's just like agreed to come on because every time I just speak to, you know, some of the guests that I've already spoken to, the stories that you guys tell us, I think are not just poignant, but they really help us also to just like reflect on our own lives um, because I think what you've just said even now, like I've also had to sort of hold on to that, to being grateful to what I still have, even though there's still so much sadness and grief to like work through. Um, and so oh, absolutely. thank you for sharing that with us and like being generous with like your experiences. Of course. Thank you, Zola. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining us. Please look at the show notes for links to some of the topics that Sadi brought up and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram at COVID Stuck Abroad. On Facebook, you can search for CSA to like the page. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at COVIDstuckabroad at gmail.com. Please see show notes for the links. This episode of COVID Stuck Abroad was produced by Zola Zegid with funding from the National Arts Council's Presidential Employment Stimulus Program. The episodes were recorded at Solar Gold Studios.